Thank you so much for joining us today at our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. Come on, put your hands together if you're excited to be here today. Come on. Come on, now give God all the praise you got this morning. Give him all you got. Amen. Well, good morning. We are excited you're here with us. And Merry Christmas. Come on, guys. Really? I'm trying. Okay, I'm trying. Merry Christmas. See, now it's appropriate to say it. it. For those of you who put up all your decorations before, shame on you. Okay? Shame on you. It is now officially Christmas time, and we are 27 days away from Christmas. The countdown is here. Matter of fact, today starts the Advent season. And if you know what Advent is, Advent means, in Latin, it means coming. It means it's not here yet, but it's coming. Which essentially means we have to wait for it, right? Now, let me ask you a question. How An honest question, raise your hand. If you say, I love waiting, raise your hand. Say, I love waiting. Look, no one's raising their hand because no one likes waiting. I mean, no one intentionally says, hey, let me stand in the longest line at Costco. Am I right? Amen. Let me find the one that snakes around. No one, no one says, let me find the slowest lane and get in that lane and let everybody zip by me. No one says, let me go on Kali Saloon where there's so much construction. I know I'm going to sit there, right? No one, no one does those things because no one really likes to wait. None of us really do, me included. Matter of fact, I will drive my way. I'll drive 20 minutes out of the way just to feel like I'm moving so I don't wait. And I think some of you can, you can, you can absolutely agree with that. But how many know one of the worst feelings is especially when you have to wait on God? Waiting is not fun, especially when you're waiting on God. And for some of you in here today, you might be saying, I've prayed, I've wondered, I've been wondering, God, what's taking you so long? Where have you been? What are you doing? Are you even listening to me? Have you forgotten about me? For some this morning, you've been praying that God would heal you. And maybe it's migraines this morning. You feel like God is, you've asked and you've been battling with migraines for the past five years or so, and you're just battling and battling and battling, and you're, you've been praying and believing and standing and praying and believing and standing and praying and believing and standing, and it's just nothing. You're waiting. For some of you, maybe you've been praying for a loved one to come to church with you. You've been praying for mom and dad, brother and sister, and maybe this is the year you're hoping and praying that they'll come to the Christmas Eve candlelight service we're going to have on Christmas Eve. You're hoping and praying that they're gonna hear the gospel, that they're gonna respond to it, and God will change your life. You're believing for that loved one. Some of you in here might be praying that God would give you a job this season, that he would provide for you, not just a job, but a job with benefits, that you would go back to being the breadwinner of your family, because right now you feel like you're not providing for your wife, for your kids. You're not doing what you're supposed to be doing in your home. And for some of you, you might be asking God to heal your depression, your anxiety. You might be saying, God, save my marriage for your hurting marriage. And 
maybe for God to bring you a spouse. Some of you, you're single in here. You've been praying for your spouse over and over and over again. And you have a, you had a, at the beginning, you had a list of 43 qualities that you go, this is, my man's gonna have this, these qualities. And you've waited so long, you're down to two right now. You're going, I just want them to be a man and for them to be employed. That's it. I'm good. You're waiting and you're waiting and you're waiting and you're waiting. And it just seems like nothing is happening. You're asking God, you're believing, but it seems like a silent night. And it's not the good one that we sing about during Christmas. It's the silent night where God's not answering you. It's almost like what C.S. Lewis said in the Chronicles of Narnia. When he wrote, he wrote this, it feels like winter, but it's never Christmas. Maybe you're in that season right now where it feels like winter. And it feels like you're waiting for Christmas. You're waiting for the day to open presents. You're waiting for the day that's gonna bring joy. You're waiting, you're waiting, you're waiting. And it's just, it's always cold, but it's never Christmas. And you're wondering, when will God speak? When will he hear me move, save, rescue, do something, God? If you ever felt like that, you're not alone. Matter of fact, the Christmas season is really carved out around this aspect of waiting, waiting. Because there are those, the people in the Bible, when we see the nativity scene, there are people in the Bible that we just think it was a holy night. And we just, when we see these manger scenes, we're like, oh, you know, and, and it's baby Jesus with his hands up. Why does baby Jesus always have his hands up? I don't know, but baby Jesus with his hands up, little eight pounds, six ounce baby Jesus. And, and he's very white, very white. And, and he's just standing there and then Mary's looking and then Joseph and everybody looks clean and wonderful. And, and, and the context that we have as Americans and as Christians sometimes is absolutely wrong because we don't see what, it, what, what they went through for God to bring about the birth of not just a baby, but watch this, Emmanuel, God with us. Listen to me, we're not worshiping a baby at Christmas. We're worshiping God. And I think the, the, the funny thing is most people, they love Christmas until Jesus gets in the mix, but they love Christmas, even with Jesus, oh, a little eight pound, six ounce baby Jesus. We love Jesus, you know? But when Jesus grew up to be a man, we don't celebrate him that much on Easter, do we? And we look at it and we're waiting and we're waiting and we're waiting. Listen to me, in the Bible, they waited for Jesus to come. For some of you, you might not know that. You might not know the story, but I want to walk you through it just really quickly today. Is that God promised the Messiah, the Savior of the world. He promised and then nothing. For decades and decades, century after century, nothing was happening. Matter of fact, I want to show you how long it actually took. And to do that, you got to go back to the beginning of the Bible, the very beginning in Genesis most of you, if you grew up in church, you know the story that God came and he created everything and he spoke it and it was there. And in six days, he created seventh day, he rested. And he said, it was good. And he created Adam and he said, you're good, Adam. And Adam said, I know. <laughs> and he said, so find a helper. So he looked for the animals, nothing was helping. So God goes, you know what? We need to create something to help you. Put him into a deep sleep, took a rib out of Adam and created Eve. And Adam woke up and looked at her and he said, whoa, man. <laughs> Hence, she was called woman, right? I'm kidding. That's not theological. <laughs> it's an absolute joke. And so Adam and Eve were in the garden. It was perfect and wonderful. And he said, don't eat from this tree, but I want you to eat from any other tree that you see. You can have at it. Have fun. 
and it was wonderful and peaceful, but Adam and Eve were deceived because the serpent came into the garden, the devil, the enemy, and he came in and he tricked them and deceived them. And we see the fall take place where they disobeyed God and they became ashamed because God didn't want to hold anything from Adam and Eve. He wanted to give them everything. He wanted to help and protect them. But just like any other good father, when a child disobeys what the father said, there has to be a consequence. God didn't have a choice. He couldn't just go, oh, don't worry about it. He's a holy, righteous, just God. Sometimes we don't like those qualities in God because it's too stiff, but that's who he is. It's not just what he does. And so God is there and he goes, I got to give you consequences. And so what's interesting is we see in Genesis chapter three, God begins to give consequences to each of them. And what's so great about God is if you read through Genesis chapter three, he gave consequences to how they took the offense first. What does that mean? That means the serpent was the first one to deceive. He got the first consequence. Eve was the first one to eat. She got the second consequence. And then Adam came last. And what's interesting is the consequence that we see for the serpent was, was really the first time that we see that God said, I know you messed up, but I'm gonna fix it for you. I know you messed up, but I'm gonna fix it. Here's what he says. It's the first prophecy, prophecy of Jesus. And God says in Genesis chapter three, verse 15, the seed of the woman will crush your head, serpent, and you will strike his heel. That's a, that's a prophecy of what would come, that Jesus would set us free, but he would have to be beaten and bruised to do it. It's a prophecy of the Messiah. So watch this. They're hopeful. They read this. They're going, Genesis says that God's gonna send a savior for his people and they're rejoicing and it's wonderful. And they go, God, great, send them now. And he's like, no. What about now? No, now, no, now, no, now. It's like, it's like your kids in the car. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? And they just keep asking. He's saying, not yet, not yet. They waited. They continue to wait centuries past. And listen, in the Old Testament, that's the beginning of your Bible. You could pick up anywhere and read a prophecy about Jesus, about the coming Messiah. It's God's plan to rescue us. But I want to pick up in Isaiah. And the reason we're picking up in Isaiah is because you're going you're gonna to know. You've been around Christmas so much. You're going to know this, this verse. Here's what Isaiah prophesies about what we read usually in, in Matthew. Here's what it says. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. What's the sign? I want a sign, God. Give me a sign. I'm waiting. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So they start getting more excited. They're going, Isaiah prophesied that the Messiah is coming, born of a virgin. And then he's going to come. He's going to help us and save us. It'll be God with us. And they get excited. And then guess what? They waited another 700 years. Some of y'all feel like you're waiting a long time. That's nothing. 700 years. They waited. Maybe God has given you a promise that you're standing on right now. And you're just waiting. And you feel like it's been 700 years. But you're waiting for the healing, the provision, the miracle. You're waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. They do more waiting. And listen to me. The question that we have to ask is this. What is God doing while we're waiting? All of us will wait at some point. 
But the question we need to ask, and some of you are really afraid to ask God this, what are you doing, God, while you're waiting? You can throw your hands up. You can throw a fit to him. You can do, trust me, you, I've done it all. So you can do it. He, he doesn't strike you dead, I promise. You can go, God, what are you doing? Because it seems like you're doing nothing. Am I the only one that's been there before? What is God doing while we're waiting? While you're waiting to receive the blessing, the provision, the reconciliation of a relationship, what are we doing? Because it feels like you're silent, God. God's people waited all right. They didn't just wait, but they actually waited in silence. When you look at your Bible, it's broken up into two books. Old Testament and New Testament. And Old Testament is all about God's people, their, their highs and lows with God, worshiping him, not worshiping him. God casting them off, God bringing them back. But it's all leading to a certain point. And it goes until the end of Malachi, not Malachi, okay, Malachi. And then from Malachi, the end of the Old Testament begins Matthew, the beginning of the New Testament, where we get Jesus. And, and then all of a sudden, the angels appear and Jesus comes out. You know, and everybody's like, oh, and it's wonderful. But I don't know what's in your Bible. But in my Bible, it's just one little page. No one ever tells you what, what happened in between Malachi and Matthew. This period... Theologians call it the intertestamental period. You don't need to write it down. It's not anything worth knowing. But what you need to know is that this one page represents 400 years. So when we turn the page and we go, oh, so easy. Why did they doubt God? Of course he was going to send baby Jesus, right? You need to understand they've been waiting for another 400 years. But can I just tell you? They didn't just wait, they waited in silence. Absolute silence. During this time, they believed God didn't speak, God didn't send a prophet, he didn't prophesy, he didn't send a sign, he didn't send a message, he didn't write it in the sky, he didn't send fire from heaven, he didn't speak, he didn't move, he did nothing. For 400 years, God was silent. Maybe this morning you're living between Malachi and Matthew where God is silent right now. And you're waiting for the page to turn where you can go, God, I want to see the miracle in my life. I want to see the provision in my life. I've been standing that you would heal my child. God, why isn't it working? Why aren't you moving? There's not a sound for 400 years. Can I encourage you today that if you're living between Malachi and Matthew, listen to me, just because God feels silent doesn't mean he's absent. Just because God feels silent doesn't mean he's absent. 
And this morning, if you're waiting and waiting and waiting and you're in a waiting period and you're going, God, you've been crying out or you've been waiting for a miracle. You've just been waiting and you feel like those people in the Bible that are waiting for Christmas and they're waiting for Jesus, the Messiah to be born. Listen to me, you're not alone. I wanna encourage you this morning. And I wanna give you three simple truths to encourage you in your waiting. You can write these down or you can take a picture. Number one, It'll be on the screen. Listen to this. While you, you are waiting, God is working. While you're waiting, God is working. How do you know that, Pastor Chris? I know that because Galatians 4 talks about it. And it, we see it in Christmas. Here's what Paul says when he's writing to the church at Galatia in the New Testament. He's saying this. But when the set time had fully come, everybody say set time. Listen to me. He didn't say my time. He said the set time. He didn't say, listen to me. He didn't say when I wanted it. He said the set time came. When it was fully come. Listen to this. God sent his son born of a woman. Now you're going, why would you put that in there? Let's go back to Genesis 3. Who would crush the the, the serpent's head? The seed of the woman. Do you know everywhere else in the Bible, it talks about the seed of man. Everything is given from the father. Why did he choose to say from the woman? Listen to me, because Jesus, well, Jesus wasn't born like me and you were born. Why do you say that, Pastor Chris? Because listen to me, when we are born, we are born, we inherit Adam's sin. All of us are born terrible, amen? You can agree with that. We're all born terrible. We all inherit Adam's sin. It wasn't our fault, but we got it. Well, Jesus couldn't inherit that. Why? Because he was about to be a sacrifice for us. And sacrifices were perfect. They had to be blemish-free. So what does that mean? It means that, guess what? When he was conceived by the Holy Spirit, God was his father, not Joseph. So he never inherited sin. So when he went to the cross, he was a perfect uh, unblemished sacrifice. See, it's the seed of the woman. Watch this. Born under the law. Why? To redeem those who are under the law so that we might receive adoption to sonship. So we might become a family. Listen to me. It didn't say so we can practice religion. It said so we could have a father. We could cry out and call him Abba. We could wait and wait and wait and know that he has something better for us on the other side. But it's interesting to me, is that in hindsight, you can always see the why behind the wait, can't you? Because life has to be lived moving forward, but it's understood when we look back. Now, I'm speaking to somebody in here because you're you're, going to look back and you're going to go, I'm so glad. You're going to look at my Facebook and go, I'm so glad I didn't marry that man. Lord Jesus, right? Some of y'all can look back at your parents and you are thankful for your parents because they gave you some wisdom and you look back and see where your life could have been. You're going to look back and say that. And Paul says, when the set time had fully come, that meant when it was complete, it was a full measure. It was the perfect time. Some versions say it was the right time. Other versions say the fullness of time. The literal phrase in Greek, and you don't have to worry about it, but the literal phrase means this, to be fully pregnant. Now, I know we have some women who have been pregnant or are pregnant here. And I've been blessed with five kids. Listen to me. I know something about being pregnant, okay? And about being my, with my wife who is pregnant. And here's one thing. Here's a couple things that I've learned with, with, with pregnancies. Is, listen to me. 
You can't force it if it's not time. You can try, but nothing good ever happens. But watch this on the flip side. You can't stop it when it's put in motion. (laughs) And so God, God is saying through Paul right here, the time was pregnant. It was growing and growing and growing and growing until you can't stop it now. It's about to happen. And it was the perfect and pleasing time. It's not our time. It's God's time. Because why? Because God is working while we are waiting. And during that 400 years of silence, did you think God was just not doing anything? Did we think that he was, even though he wasn't speaking, did we think he was absent? No, he was working while we were waiting. What was he doing, Pastor Chris? He was manipulating history, moving pieces in place to make sure it was the right time. Now, some of you may be a history nerd. I'm not, but if you are, hallelujah to you. This is gonna be interesting to you. To the rest of you, you're gonna wanna know the the cliff notes of this. And here are the cliff notes. During those 400 years, Alexander the Great comes in and conquers the world. And he unites the world under one language, Greek. Why is that significant? Because they translated the Old Testament in Greek. So now everyone could read the coming Messiah is, is about to be here. Never again does this happen. This is crazy. Never again does this happen. Listen, not only that, the Greeks, they loved when you questioned things. So you could question everything. It's called the Socratic method. They just loved when you questioned everything. And so God had an answer for every question. And then the Romans came in. Watch this. The Romans came in and they conquered the Greeks. And what did they establish? Roads, highways, and a traveling system. So watch this. Pause for a second. For the first time in human history since the Tower of Babel was taken down. Listen to this. Everyone could read the Bible, spoke the same language, could question, and it was okay. And watch this. You had roads and highways so that the good news of the Savior and the Messiah coming could reach the ends of the earth. Watch this. There's no other time in history than that time that it took place. It was fully pregnant. It was the perfect time. For some of you right now, listen to me. It's not time Yet God is still working while you are waiting. He's moving and crafting and you're praying and you're wondering and you're hoping and you're asking, is Gil still God still working? Listen to me. He's still working even behind the scenes. For many of you, you feel like you're in a holding pattern where you just keep circling and you're waiting for clearance to land. And you're in this holding pattern. You're going, God, when am I gonna land? When, when am I gonna get what you have told me that I'm going to get? When is my prayer gonna get answered just like my friend and my family member? When is that going to happen and you're in this holding pattern? I've been there. I remember coming out of the NFL. It's an odd feeling because it's all I ever knew for 28 years of my life. I, I played football. And so you go into what my, my mom calls a real job. You know, you're going to now find a real job. I'm like, did I have a fake job before? It was just pretend. And so I came into the real world, but I'm just sitting there going, God, what do you want to do? And I'm waiting and I'm asking and I'm seeking God. And I'm going, God, what is it? What is it you want me to do? I don't want to just have a job. I want to have a calling. I don't know what that looks like, but tell me. And so I tried to force it in different areas and God closed the door. And I tried to open this door and God said, not that door. And I just was waiting and waiting and waiting. And it felt like forever. It felt like 700, 400 years, but it really wasn't. But little did I know that while I was waiting, God was working. 
You know where, where he was working? He was working down in South Louisiana at a church called Our Savior's Church. And he was preparing a place, watch this, for my wife and my family and I to come and to build what Pastor Jacob has done through, excuse me, what God has done through Pastor Jacob here at OSC and to minister to the people of Acadiana. He was preparing a place, listen to me, for me to go. So while I was waiting, God was working. And I didn't even know it. Maybe you're in here and you're waiting, wondering where God is. And you think it's about you. You go, did I go wrong? Where did I fail? Maybe I don't have enough faith. Maybe you're asking. Maybe you're going, I'm not good enough for God to use me. And you look at me and you're going, I'll never be on a stage. I don't want you to be on a stage either. God doesn't want you on a stage. Trust me. He wants you to be you. And you're wondering, maybe I've failed. Maybe, maybe I've let God down. Maybe he doesn't care about me. God is working in your waiting. And I want you to be encouraged by this. Let me tell you, number two, write this down. God's delays are not necessarily God's denials. Some of you need this truth to sweep over you right now. God's delays are not necessarily God's denials. If you're waiting, you're not alone. I don't know of a Bible figure that I've read through this whole entire book that didn't wait at some point in their journey. We look at Abraham and Sarah, and if you know the story there, God promised Abraham, I'm gonna make your seed as numerous as stars in the sky and the sands in the seashore. And he's going, great. Can you do it before I'm 100? And he goes, nope. (laughs) They waited 25 years before they held Isaac in their hands. 25 years. I imagine that 24th year when Abraham was 100, he's going, God, I don't know how I'm going to change diapers because I can barely change my own right now, okay? He waited and waited and waited and waited. Abraham and Sarah, they were 100 years old before they held Isaac in their hands. We look at Joseph. Joseph had a vision to rule, to lead, to influence, and to save people. And he waited 13 years in a prison for a crime he never committed. And he waited. And he waited because God was working in the waiting. He was preparing Pharaoh. He was preparing the people. He was preparing for a famine. It wasn't time yet. Listen to me. Just because it's a delay doesn't mean it's a denial. God's not saying no. He's saying not yet. And we go to the New Testament. We look at the story of the woman, the issue of blood. For 12 years, the Bible tells us that she struggled with this issue and she had prayed for healing and comfort. It said she had exhausted all options until finally she met a man named Jesus and she pushed through this crowd, crawling on her hands and her knees just to touch the hem of something that might work. Why? Because she was so desperate. She had been waiting for so long. And it was only when she touched Jesus that she become instantly healed. 12 years in pain. 12 years. She was outcasted from her family. Or we could look at the man who was lame, laying by a pool. And Jesus comes up and he says to him, you've been laying here for 38 years. 38 years she had been laying by a pool Wondering if if he could just get in that pool, if he could just take a dip in that water, if somebody could help him in, then he would be healed. Some of you are literally right there. 
You feel like I've been at the edge of the pool and if I could just touch the water, if somebody could help me in, I'll get what God has desired for me. My son or daughter will come back home. My marriage will be restored. The addiction will be broken. If I could just get in the water, God. It wasn't until Jesus walked up to him and said, I know you've been laying there for 38 years. Get up, pick up your mat and start walking. And in an instant, he was healed. God's delays are not necessarily God's denials. Just because you don't have it yet just means it's not the right time yet. You're waiting on the answer and the miracle. Maybe the answer and the miracle isn't ready. Watch this though. Maybe you're not ready for what God has for you. When I got into college, I started thinking a little more seriously about marriage. I'd never seen a great marriage in my life. Came from a divorced home. My father left when I was two. And so when I got to college and I got under a mentor, someone who discipled me, he showed me what it meant to be a husband and a father. And I began desiring marriage. I knew I wanted marriage. I didn't know what that looked like. I didn't know how to do that. And it wasn't until I met Michelle that I said, okay, now I definitely want to get married. Okay. (laughs) Can I be honest with you? I was terrified. Because in walks Michelle and she's on staff at FCA at Georgia Tech and I'm just a student who's playing football there and I look and I go, man, here's this woman who walks into ministry. She's single. She's gorgeous. She walks into ministry. She knows the call of God on her life. She has faith. She is faith-filled, spirit-filled, and she's walking in her calling with confidence. And I just go, God, I don't know if I can lead someone like that. And I very clearly, God said, you can't. I said, thanks. <laughs> you know where it drove me, though? It drove me to say that God, God said, you're not ready yet. And so every single day, every single night, I would be reading and studying. I'd be praying and seeking God. I wanted to grow. I wanted to get closer to God because here's what I knew. I wanted to be the leader and the man of God that she deserved and that could lead her. And so I know that God is working on me. Listen to me. While I'm waiting, he's working. But little did I know that while I was waiting and hoping, he was working on her as well. She had just came out of a relationship and she vowed before she stepped into that ministry spot, God, I'm going to be single for a year. And then she met me. (laughs) And she kept that vow, that promise. I'm going to be single for a year. And the great part about it is God made us wait. She was on staff and I was a student. So we couldn't date but there was a connection and God began to grow something in us and do something with us that was greater than if we would have jumped into it on our own. He made us wait because we weren't ready. Because God usually wants to do something in you before he does something for you. Before he gives something to you. Makes me wait. And I encourage you, don't waste the waiting. 
Don't waste the waiting. He's crafting, he's molding you. Depend on him, draw close to him because God is doing something. I love what Isaiah says in Isaiah 64. He says, for the since the world began, no ear has heard, no eye has seen a God like you. What, what happens? Who works for those who wait for him. When you wait on God, he acts on your behalf. He responds on your behalf. He moves on your behalf. He initiates. He'll interrupt your plans on your behalf because his timing is perfect. It's complete. It's full. Listen to me. If you feel like God is denying you, you're wrong. It's just a delay. Don't mistake God's delays for his denial. Because here's what I know, and we're gonna close with this. It may feel like God is slow, but number three is this. God's not slow. He's patient. And he's patient for you. God's not slow. He's patient. He's patient for you. You know, Christianity is unique religion. Most of us don't realize that around here because we usually don't go to other countries and or meet other people with other beliefs. We're very blessed to kind of be around a Bible belt culture here where everybody believes in a God. But there are a lot of religious systems that really, honestly, you're pursuing God the whole time. And most religious systems, if you go study this, have to do with this. If you do something good, you gain favor. If you do something bad, you lose favor with God. And so your whole goal is to pursue God. And hopefully by the end, the scales weigh in your favor and you get favor and not a curse. Most religious systems have to do with that. But this is not, listen to me, this is not how Christianity works. Because we serve a God who pursues us. There's so many times that I thought I was seeking God. He said, no, you're not. I'm seeking you. It's what makes it so unique. There's a skit on Sesame Street that they did a while back. And it was a little fairy tale. And everybody knows the fairy tale of, of the princess and the frog. And the princess kisses the frog and it turns into a handsome prince. But the Sesame Street version did it a little differently. The Sesame Street version had the princess and, and had the frog. And as the princess kissed the frog, the frog didn't turn into a, a prince. The princess actually turned into a frog. <laughs> Listen to me. Look at me. That's Christmas. We couldn't get to God, so God had to kiss earth with his son. We think, listen to me, he never, you never were pursuing God. God has always pursued you. It's the uniqueness of a father. It's why all the other religions, they say it's a God. We can call our God Abba, Father, when you know him, because he pursues us. And he's never stopped pursuing us. And he never will stop. It's in his nature. It's who he is. You can't do anything that bad will he or throw you away. He always will give you grace. He always will call you back. Yes, he'll tell you the truth. Yes, it will hurt, but it will always be better. You see, that's the God that we serve.
that while we're waiting, God is working. That God's not slow, he's patient for us. And as 2 Peter chapter three says, says the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. Listen to this, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you. Why? Because he's not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. What if the God you're waiting for is waiting for you? What if the God you're waiting for is waiting for you to say yes to him? What if the God you're waiting for is waiting for you to surrender everything you have? What if the God you're waiting for is waiting for you to get serious about your walk with Jesus and not just date him on the weekends, but to actually have a real relationship that takes effort, intentionality, and time? Because Christmas is a representation of what God will do for us the question of really is what are we going to do for him? And the great part about it is we just need to receive it. You're not good enough. Neither am I. But God says, that's why I sent my son. So you could be good enough and I'll make you good enough. I'm not naive enough to think that everybody in here, no one's waiting on something an answer, a prayer, healing. For some of you, you might be in your silent night moment. Wilderness, the desert. Nothing's happening, nothing's moving. Listen to me. I'm encouraging you and I'm gonna pray for you in just a moment. God is working in your waiting. So Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus. For those even that are watching online, for those that are listening on a podcast right now, God, those that are sitting here in this room, I just pray right now, abundant peace would fall wherever they're needing God. And whatever area, whatever situation, whatever journey they're on right now, whatever's happening, whatever they're waiting for, God, I pray for peace. Your timing is perfect. Thank, for, thank you for your timing of your son, Jesus, that at the set time, you came to redeem us, God. And we're believing that if you did that for us, and our salvation, God, you're gonna do it for us in the areas of our finances, our relationships, our lives, God. I thank you right now, and I pray overwhelming sense of your Holy Spirit to comfort those that are having struggles right now when they're waiting, Lord. Thank you for being patient, God. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for not denying us, God, but delaying us, because I don't know, Lord, what I need, but I do know what I want. You know what I need and what I want, God. So we trust you right now. And we thank you for being a good father. For those of you right now, you might be even wondering what a relationship with Jesus looks like been coming to church, but what I've been talking about and what you've been hearing and feeling sounds foreign to you. It almost feels like God is pulling you into something. He's pulling you into himself. And there's a decision that has to be made. Do you want him or do you want yourself? It's called being born again. It's when we surrender everything that we have and we receive what God has done for us through his son, Jesus. And being born again 
It happens one time, just like you're born physically once, you're born again one time. And as Jesus said in John chapter three, verse three, he says, you cannot enter in or even see the kingdom of heaven unless you are born again. We must be born again. The question I have for you is, have you been born again? I didn't ask what church you go to. Are you a member? Have you been baptized or christened? Those are all great things, but that's not what I asked you. I asked you, have you been born again? To enter into God's family, the adoption of sons, we receive him, Jesus Christ. And we say yes to him and we say no to ourselves. So this morning, if you're wondering, how do I become born again, Pastor Chris? I want to pray a prayer. The prayer doesn't save you. Your faith saves you, the Bible says. But I'm going to pray a prayer. Matter of fact, we're all going to pray it together. But if you're in here going, Pastor Chris, I want to be included in that prayer. What do I need to do? A, admit you're a sinner in need of a savior. B, believe that what Jesus did on the cross was enough. And C, confess him as savior. And now Lord, he lords over my entire life. If that's you in here, I want to give you that opportunity. Then on the count of three, you just raise your hand and you just wave it at me. I don't want you to care who's around or what's happening. This is not about anybody else. This is about you. But if you're here saying, Pastor Chris, include me in that born again prayer. On the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. One, God has called you here for a reason. It's not an accident. Two, he's calling you home. Three, I want you to raise your hand now. Anyone else? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. Praise God. Put your hands down. One more opportunity. If you raised it once, you know, never have to raise it again. But if you're going, Pastor Chris, I should have raised my hand. Without any hesitation, I want you to raise it now. This is for you. Anyone else? I see you. 21, 22. Thank you. 23. Awesome. 24, 25. Praise God. Church, with all those that raise their hand to make that declaration that Jesus is mine and I am his. Would you repeat after me? Let's say this all together. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you're the son of God. I believe that on the cross, you took my sin my shame, my guilt, and you died for it. I believe you faced hell for me so I would not have to go. And you rose on the third day to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn away from sin to be born again. Say this with me. God is my Father. Jesus is my Savior. The Holy Spirit is my Helper. And heaven is now my home. In Jesus' name, amen.